wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. I'm not going to even attempt an English accent here on today's Wrestle Rant Radio. I know I've been here for about a week and a half at this point in London, England. I was going to jokingly open up the show saying that I have an English accent now after being here for so long. Ooh, 10 days, what a long time. Uh, I'm not even going to attempt to do that because I know I'll lose a lot of English listeners, a lot of London listeners uh, because of my terrible accent. So I don't want to offend anyone with my attempt or terrible attempt, whatever you want to call it, at an English accent. So let's just leave it at the American one. This is WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, July 25th, 2019. I am Graham Gia Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. We're going to keep it short and sweet here today. Um, as I am away, I am busy. We're going to air the entire interview that I conducted with Ryback, former WWE superstar, former intercontinental champion, the master of the Feed Me More movement, and everything else he's got going on right now. The host of the Conversation with the Big Guy Ryback podcast. Check that out anywhere, including on YouTube. He's got his Feed Me More nutrition line. He wrote a book a couple of years ago. Yes, Ryback is an author, and it was a pretty damn good book, too. Uh, we're talking about all that stuff, his, pe- uh, his positive attitude, leaving WWE. It's the longest interview I have ever done. And it was a great interview, too. I really enjoyed my conversation with the big guy, no pun intended. Hopefully, you guys will as well. Um, that being said, before we get started, WrestleRant Radio, new episodes every single Thursday, even when I'm away across the pond in London, England, new episodes going up every single Thursday on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, NextRSN.net. We're all over the place, people. So subscribe today. You get every episode on Thursdays, as well as all the archived ones dating back to October of 2013. So without further ado, let's just get right into it, guys. My exclusive interview with the big guy himself, Ryback. All right, guys, Graham Jason Matthews back here with another exclusive interview. Today we're talking to the author of Wake Up, It's Feeding Time, host of the conversation with the big guy, the man behind the Feed Me More nutrition line, former WWE superstar, the big guy himself, Ryback. Ryback, how's it going today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing over there? Doing great. Did I get all the titles there, there or did I miss anything? That, no, everything sounded pretty good. I got the, the podcast, this conversation with the big guy, Ryback, but it, we added the Ryback in there just for marketing purposes. Oh, okay, okay. Road. So, but it's conversation with the big guy. So it's, you pretty much nailed it. Very nice. Well, you wear a lot of hats. How hard is it to juggle everything that you're doing nowadays? Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> could drive somebody crazy. Um, so it's been quite the experience. Um, like I said, I was just talking to you briefly before we got on this. I get up pretty early. I got up today at five something. Uh, usually I get up around to the stock market here in Vegas time, West Coast around 6.30, 6, 6.30. And uh, I try not to look at my phone while I'm in bed. I, I get out, I hop right out of bed usually and mm-hmm. uh, get get my day, brush my teeth. And I got a situation, you mentioned that stuff. 
uh, with my dog, my dog Sophie, I've talked about this. She ended up with all my health issues that I've had, which I'm sure we'll get into. She uh, has, has disc disease at three and a half, a little over three and a half years old, and mm-hmm. uh, has had four uh, ruptured discs, so she can never play or run or jump, even though she's a Frenchie and I have a Boston Terrier as well, and that's what they want to do. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of on lockdown having to take care of them because I got to keep them crated when I'm not home and mm-hmm. in crates and I try to keep them out when I'm working and but they need a lot of attention so it is uh the, from the moment I wake up though until the moment I go to bed I am always doing something and I've taken on I knew when I left I wasn't expecting my health to go exactly the way that it went nor my dogs and uh I wanted to do my supplement line while I was with WWE ideally uh would have made things maybe a little easier initially and whatnot but man it's been a hell of a journey and i take on i know i can't take on anymore right now Mm -hmm. with the way my schedule is and everything so it is but everything takes time man it's like scheduling people for interviews on the podcast and getting the right team in place of people for everything on that and then dealing with all of the supplement stuff constantly morning to night my graphics guy emailing the manufacturer working on new products and labels and i do all my social media stuff which i wake up i do about three hours every morning on that and it's it's a lot but it's all paid off and i've taken my work ethic from pro wrestling and applied it to regular everyday business life and it is it has not been easy but it's paying off yeah, like you said, you're doing so much right now. You're taking care of your own health, your dog. There's just a lot going on right now. And like you said, it's all great content, too, so it's paying off. With the stuff that you're dealing with now and the stuff that you're doing now, the schedule that you're working, obviously very busy. What would you say, compared to the WWE schedule, being on the road, which is more difficult and how does it really compare? Because obviously you're doing a, traveling, doing a lot of traveling with WWE, but it seems like you're doing a lot more now and kind of doing managing your own stuff. Yeah, extremely difficult in two different ways. Mm-hmm. Um there, when you work there, you turn into like a, a zombie machine in a way where you just go, 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 go. But you are always, you always know where you're going. You kind of know what to expect. You work, no matter how cool of a job it is, you're working for somebody, you're, you're working for somebody else. Um, so you don't have to worry about, you're, you're kind of more just concerned about yourself, keeping yourself in shape, getting your meals, your creative things of that nature as far as for the for television goes whereas when you decide to go to work for yourself every single problem everybody else's problems all become your problems Mm -hmm. and and that's where they say a lot of businesses early on it's it's a i think a lot of people have a misconception of, of when you work for yourself when you decide to work for yourself you're essentially serving other people and you have to get really good at that really quick. And it is, it's not, it, it was not an easy adjustment. And I've had to, through a lot of deep breathing and just staying calm and being patient, it is, uh, you deal with so many other little things. Like I, I get emails and things of all day long of problems and just things coming in that you have to handle as well as everything else in your my, my regular life and everything. And uh, with WWE, it's, it's harder in a whole different way, physically, mm-hmm. mentally, in a different way. Having my own business, so it is, it's a million times more difficult. Um, but it's also very, very rewarding at the same time. So. 
Did you ever imagine a point, you know, 10, 15 years ago? Because there was, you know, obviously always this general idea. Like, you go to a job at WWE or whatever, you do your thing, and you're kind of always on the road. But now there's so many... It's at a point now, like you were talking about before, you work on your social media. That would have never been a thing 10, 15 years ago. Did you ever imagine you'd be in the spot where you are today in terms of all the stuff that you do on your own and managing your own business and whatnot? Yeah, man, it's one of those things looking back I think it, it, we all evolve and, and grow at different rates and for me um, it started you know when I initially was released from WWE out of developmental and I've talked about it a million times we came across that book The Secret was I always enjoyed reading as a kid um, but it was never like uh, I don't want like self-help or for self-knowledge it was just I always just loved reading my mom has images of me and my sister in, in, as kids in her bed always just We'd have stacks of books, and for me, I kind of lost that reading. I, I stopped reading for quite a while until I came back across that, that book, The Secret, which mm-hmm. just kind of opened me up to how I feel like I used to be when I was younger as far as just being able to, like, just not having limitations placed in my head and that I, I could truly do anything and whatnot. Um, so when I was around 25, when I came across that, and even, I mean, back then, working at Smoky Bones in Louisville, Kentucky, and having nothing, and being poor, and having an alcohol problem for a year, and now if you would have told me this is my situation, this is where I'm living, this is what I have, and these are my problems now, it would be like, well, holy shit, give me those problems right now. <laughs> and so it, it is a tremendous thing to be able to, to look back and see my life the way that it was and, and be thankful for the process of growing, but it's been so much work it's been so many books it's audiobooks reading meditation so many things trials and errors and and experiences in WWE that did not go my way and being able to look at those and say everything that has happened to me has happened for my in my favor and my betterment mm-hmm. um, because in taking that in using it to go on to do even better things and tremendous feeling and for me now, in, in getting my health back and seeing the light at the end of the tunnel that I'm, I'm probably going to be able to return to wrestling in 2019, 20, early 2020, and then they'll go, how the hell am I going to go back to wrestling <laughs> yeah. and do all of this? And I already know the answer is going to be delegating a lot of the responsibility that I have right now mm-hmm. on certain things, but that's why business is the, the first few years, you're doing a lot of the work yourself on things that until you can break through and most people don't break through Mm -hmm. but when you can and you can take those steps to grow to me that I can't wait to have those problems so Mm -hmm. oh yeah hopefully at some point you mentioned the nutrition line as you talked about before my next question for you was how long you'd been thinking about doing it but you kind of mentioned it earlier that you had thoughts about doing it while you were with WWE Uh, what were the early stages of starting your own nutrition line and how far does it go back yeah so I became fascinated with supplements and herbs from my mom when I was a kid my mom always had different herbs in the cabinet and this is before the internet before I could look things up and she would kind of tell me a little bit about them and and it was always just fascinated me and feed me more nutrition came I started making my own supplements in wrestling uh, as early as even kind of developmental stages starting this whole thing but I've always invested in myself and my body Mm -hmm. and I, so I, I've been always very honest about, and I never wanted to do steroids. I'm, I'm very much against them. I, I think they are horrible and they don't belong in sports competition or any. I don't think they, they belong outside of medical medicinal purposes around anything. I just, I, I loathe them. 
and, and whatnot. And but I made an adolescent decision because I saw my hero that I grew up idolizing talking about his steroid cycle when I was 19 years old at Gold's Gym, and that justified in my head that I had to do that to make it in pro wrestling. And I've always been very health conscious. Luckily, with the WWE wellness program coming into play, and I was able to stop all of that and not have that be the focus anymore. And I've relied on supplements heavily for my physique, despite what some people think and whatnot. I've, if you actually truly know me, you know how health conscious I really am. And I was really dissatisfied with the options on the supplement market. And that industry came from back when Joe Weider and had the, the, the bodybuilders with Arnold and these guys. Back then, steroids were legal, but they built this business of supplements mm-hmm. to uh, just the way that it was created was, was very deceiving from the start that these guys were using these supplements to look at the way that they were. It was very dishonest. So the origins of the business stem from dishonesty. And it's grown, and it is a multi-billion-dollar industry. It's enormous, but it's built around a lot of lies and deception. And for me, aspartame and sucralose artificial sweeteners were two things that I had a severe problem with. That I realized was in every single health supplement back years ago. There was there was nothing with natural sweeteners at all. And so, to me, it instantly was, how can this stuff be promoting health and fitness? but contained these two artificial poisons that given me, I was waking up like a zombie every morning with joint, achy joint pain. Mm-hmm. Didn't want, kept hitting the snooze alarm. Didn't want to get out of bed. Uh, I would get blackouts when I would stand up. I would get lightheaded. And my vision was getting really, really blurry, especially towards the time when I, I can't remember. I think I was around 27, 28 mm-hmm. when I finally decided. It was actually, it was at 28 uh, going on 29 with my ankle injury when I was home with all that with WWE mm. after the Nexus and I decided that I, because of these symptoms artificial sweeteners I was doing some research and those aspartame and sucralose were the two things coming up time and time again for my symptoms so I made a, a decision at my point in my life right there to cut out all artificial sweeteners but it was really disturbing to me to see that the reason why my symptoms had gotten worse was because all I was consuming were these protein shakes and pre-workouts and my diet sodas and all these other diet foods that were chalked filled with aspartame and sucralose. So right then and there, that's when I started looking into making my own formulas with stevia, with a natural sweetener, and a lot of them back at that time too, unsweetened, where they tasted horrible, but they, I was getting just the, the, the nutrients that I wanted and whatnot. So that was the origins of Feed Me More Nutrition back then. And in WWE, I wanted to start a business, and I knew I wanted to start a business. And I was reading a book, The 50th Law, uh, by Robert Greene, which Stu Bennett, Wade Wade Barrett actually turned me on to that Mm -hmm. one. And it's just something in that book, I remember driving one night towards the the end of my time in WWE, where it just talked about the, if you're a creative individual, how there's no greater freedom in life than working for yourself. And, And it had mentioned finding something you're passionate and you love and for me right then and there it just feed me more nutrition I said this is who and what I am it's such a huge part of my life that has helped me tremendously it's something that I understand and I I love and I feel I can make a business around this in an industry that is built around lies and dishonesty I could be tell the truth and have the focus be health and fitness but health number one 
where I can create these badass supplements that I actually personally have used for years Mm -hmm. and I'm constantly looking at ways to improve using natural ingredients that have benefited me so much and hopefully people get the results similar to mine or, or of, you know, in the ballpark at least and whatnot. And that's what's happening right now. And the feedback has been absolutely tremendous with people because they realize that not to judge a book by the cover. And yeah, we have all these steroid bodybuilders and fitness models that do things for money and they, where health is not their number one priority, but they'll say, oh, I take this supplement and, and whatnot. I'm the complete opposite of that. But it takes time, and I've had to tell that story time and time and time again. And when people actually look at the labels of the products and actually try them, they see the difference and feel the difference. Mm-hmm. And is there anything that you've learned along the way since you started this a few years ago that you thought you should be doing, okay, I should be doing more of this or be doing less of this and that kind of thing in, in the time that you've been promoting your products because you do everything yourself? <clears throat> yeah, for me, the next goal, and I, again, I've had some hard lessons in this. You know, Early on, I hired a professional marketing team that had, had told me they had experience working with other top supplement companies and whatnot. And um, one thing, too, about going into business is I used all my own money uh, to fund this. I didn't go take out a loan or anything. A lot of people tell you to take a loan out to start a business. I wanted to hold myself accountable because I... When I use my own money, I know that I'm going to wake up and I'm going to go to work. Uh, sometimes when you know you have somebody else's money on the line, it's a little bit easier to uh, to not go all out at times and whatnot for that. So that, and not to say that that has its place and it, it depends obviously on, on someone's goals and what they're doing and whatnot. But for me personally, I needed that to keep that fire in me when I started all this but, but I hired a marketing team. I mean, I lost, I think they blew through like almost $50,000, like $40-something uh, pretty quickly. And I, when I learned um, that nobody's going to care about my business as much as me and that I have to I have to work, I have to figure a lot of this out on my own because nobody loves and understands this like I do. And I took on that stress of, of having to do all this, but I, I'm also smart enough to know uh, and getting the proper team around me of people, you know, having a great graphic, you know, artist that I could rely on at all, all hours of the day. Um, just recently hiring a YouTube professional. That was one thing that I neglected. That was the most important piece of a lot of my podcast and the things that I'm going to be doing with workout videos now that my health is improving mm-hmm. for feeding me more nutrition going forward. Um, it's knowing when and where to delegate responsibility, uh, especially on, on things of that nature, on the technical side of things where I just don't have the time. But for me, it's going to be the next big step will be getting the right marketing team in place as this thing continues to grow and evolve because marketing is a huge part of this. And right now I'm in the trenches, hours, hours, hours on social media, interacting with people and and having conversations with people because that to me is the number one thing where I see a direct result from the time I put into that comes back to me more so than anything right now so and it's important because you got to inform people they have to have they have to be able to trust you uh, and know you and I've learned that in business early on and I had to change my approach to social media I hated social media didn't want anything to do with it for years mm-hmm. and I came across some books and I had a doctor Sue Warner on my podcast uh, her book The Energy Codes and Gary Vaynerchuk whom I've had the privilege to talk to before and, and who's a huge wrestling fan 
that I had to change my approach to all of this. And I was looking, I was focusing on the negatives on a few things as positive as I am in other areas. And it was holding me back. And, um, I love social media now and it allows me to connect to great people and to communicate with my fans. And so for me, it's been a, a tremendous, uh, period of growth, uh, and, and evolving for me, uh, along with my business, uh, in trying to understand people and, and like I said, learning to serve people and, and to help people and having having it come from from the heart on that first and foremost mm-hmm. because it, it makes the experience so much more enjoyable for me. So, but I'm constantly learning and trying to grow this, and I'm by, by no means perfect. But it, it's been man, it's been absolutely. It's going to be really cool to look back at this and see and remember this period too um, in the later stages of this down the road, the next several years. So. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned your podcast, doing your YouTube channel, and how you're doing that stuff kind of along with the nutrition stuff and everything else. You kind of started that around the same time. Um, in what ways have you seen your show, Conversation with the Big Guy Ryback, grow in the last couple of years? Because you kind of started out telling your experiences and stories from WWE and beyond, and you still do that to this day, in addition to having interviews and you know talking about the current landscape of wrestling and having another great guest from outside the world of wrestling as well, which is really cool. So in what ways have you seen the show grow, in addition to obviously viewership and exposure and stuff like that yeah so when it started initially it was i knew i the supplement line was in the works and from everything that i'd read and different things that having a podcast was something that um not it wasn't something i wanted to necessarily do right Mm -hmm. away uh but i did have a desire there especially too when i left wwe there was so much um misinformation that was put out for about two years which I had to have an attorney have a lot of that taken down, but a lot of damage was done from a lot of uh, inaccurate things being put out time and time again. And where that came from, who knows and whatnot. But again, everything, it, it kind of was a, I've learned of all of this too. Uh, it was, I was taking things very personally and negative and uh, it, it held me back a little bit. Uh, that's a different conversation though. But when I started the podcast I had a, a desire for my fan base to understand me better outside of just the Ryback character they saw on TV and for me to open up to them and to tell them exactly the things that you know we saw Ambrose Moxley leave and how he opened up because he had so much pent up frustration over his own story ideas and creative and things I had I had a lot of other problems, a whole different set of problems, and having the world in my hands and having it all taken away and me having zero control over it, and people not understanding why things happened to me in my career. I felt the desire to share with them what happened uh, in my own setting and in just a friendly conversation with my friend at the time because I wanted them to understand that I wasn't walking out on them. Mm -hmm. Because what I did, I ultimately did not leave WWE under ideal circumstances. Mm -hmm. I I am very proud of myself for having the courage to walk away from millions of dollars and leave my dream job um, because my health was in such a bad place and I I was threatened. I was not allowed to let my contract run out based on conversations that I was having. And I had a certain amount of value that I wanted to protect uh, and I knew I needed to get out of there and having the courage to get away. But in telling them, you know, fuck you and leaving um, wasn't an easy decision, but mm-hmm. it was something I had to do. And I wanted people to understand that it wasn't me being selfish. It wasn't me turning my back on my fans because I love wrestling. And I, I want 
I had WWE as the only place I ever wanted to wrestle for my entire life, and I was privileged enough to be able to do that, and I'm thankful for a lot of my experiences there, but there was a lot of bad as well. Like I've said, I've had to use that to my advantage and for my betterment and whatnot, but I had a desire to let people know the real me and that there were many more layers to Ryback than, than maybe they were able to see, and I feel like we've been, been able to do a great job at doing that now. When I started the podcast... It was with my best friend at the time and someone I trusted more than anyone. And unfortunately, the show started off great, and I thought we had a great thing for a long time. And numbers, you know, we were were approaching some pretty serious numbers early on that first year with that. And there was a situation that arose that I chose not to talk about on my show when it happened because it was severely, it was true, it was very um, embarrassing to me personally. And mm-hmm. uh, losing a best friend because finding out some things that he was doing behind my back that, and I'm not going to go into details about it because it doesn't, they don't need any acknowledgement on that. Mm -hmm. But it was a, a really tough pill for me to swallow. And my show that I, we had a a format with the show that I was very comfortable with and keyword, I think in all this is comfortable. And, and out of that, I had, I was under contract where I have to produce a show every week. It transitioned into me bringing on uh, Phoenix Marie, a girl that I've known who was in the porn industry, who is out of it now mm-hmm. and works a regular job at a doctor's office that I've been friends with for years. And she had always wanted to kind of do a podcast. And it transitioned into me not having anybody to fall back on. And at that time, I didn't want to do interviews yet, mm-hmm. uh, which I'll talk about that part of the show uh, and why I eventually have decided to do that. Um it brought her on and the show took on a different format where it was more uh, laid back and Phoenix is a very a very sexual by nature where the conversations were more open with her in regards to that which numbers were still great for all of that with that period but it wasn't the show that I wanted to put out each and every week and after a while <clears throat> I started getting a little it, it wasn't as fun for me after a while because it, well, I knew just deep down I go this isn't I'm not. I'm not getting a satisfaction out of this. And Phoenix wasn't caught up on the wrestling landscape anymore. She was a fan, but it, she just wasn't caught up on the current situation. And I was in a lot of pain with my health at the time, and a lot mm-hmm. of stuff going on, and whatnot. And the show kind of evolved then with her bringing on uh, this guy Asian Joe for a bit, who was more of a tech guy. And it turned out me and Asian Joe ended up having much better conversations than me and Phoenix. And so that kind of started becoming a, a, the normal thing. But eventually, even to me, I wasn't satisfied with that, where I wanted, for me, I like to learn and I like to talk to different people. And I've always kind of used Joe Rogan as a great guy that he did a podcast forever. And it took many years for him to finally become Joe Rogan and really, really, you know, find his niche with, it, with his show and, yeah. and carve out that platform that he's, he's number one in. And I, I just asked myself, I, I go, I need to start talking to other people because there's so much I want to know. And, and also, I said comfortable earlier, um, I get very uncomfortable talking to other people at times because I'm very antisocial mm-hmm. at, at times and I like to just keep to myself. So for me, it was a way to challenge myself and um, reach out to people and ask people if they would like to come on the show and, and talk with me, which I've been, nobody said no, everybody. It's been, you know, it's been a great experience for me of, of some of the names I've been able to get on the show thus far. But learning how to be a good interviewer, which is, is a whole other skill in itself and not cutting people off and 
and whatnot. So for me, it's been a tremendous learning experience. And now the show, I feel like the way the numbers and the numbers have been going up week after week, month after month now, uh, getting the YouTube platform on Ryback TV on YouTube has been a huge asset and was something that's something I could give advice on to people. Don't neglect YouTube. It's probably the most important platform out of all of them Mm -hmm. and whatnot. And I didn't realize that because I was so busy and I just had so many things going on. And so, man, it's, it's been a beautiful process. And for me, I look forward to it every week and I get to talk wrestling with Ryan Satin or Raj Geary. I get to talk to other pro wrestlers. Just had Ken Shamrock on this week. I got Chris Bell, who's uh, one of the Bell brothers and made the movie Bigger, Stronger, Faster, and mm-hmm. Leaf of Faith. I've had his brother, Mark Bell. I got C.T. Fletcher coming on, hopefully here soon. And just, I've had doctors on and people, authors. and It's just a way for me to be me and help me learn. And I think it, if I'm learning, I, my audience is learning as well. So it's been, it's been a great experience. And in the time that you've done the interview so far on the show, who's been your favorite wrestling guest that you've had on and your favorite non-wrestling guest that you've had on? Honestly, man, I enjoy every week. I can't. I I'm not, I'm not a big on favorites necessarily. Yeah. I never have been. Really, as far as that kind of stuff, I, I think there's something to be learned from everybody. And you know, for just every conversation I have is, I, it's inspirational to me with these with different people and from all walks of life. Especially when you have someone that's had any uh, any sort of amount of success in, in any given different field. And, and hearing their approach to life and, and the, you know it all, a lot of successful people have a lot of the same common traits mindset wise of having a positive mindset and becoming uh, able to overcome adversity and whatnot. but you know the Dr. Sue Mortar who, who wrote the book The Energy Codes uh, her book has had a drastic influence on my life which her book showed up in my P.O. box uh, unannounced she didn't send it she had never heard of me uh, I don't, to this day, I don't know who sent me the book. And it, um, I, I usually get books from people at times, um, not usually books that I like. So I end up, I don't read them because I'm not, I don't have the time mm-hmm. unless it's something that I, I, I truly want to read. And I got this book and I go, ah, what's this? And I looked at the back of it and on the back, it had all these people from the book, The Secret, writing the reviews on the book. And I go, okay, this book I need to read. <laughs> and much like The Secret had an impact on me when I was about 25 years old, uh, at 37, this book has taken me to a new level uh, on my approach to life. So for her, she was an extremely important. I reached out to her to have her on the show. She said yes, told me it was one of her favorite interviews she's ever done, whether she's being nice or not. It, but it, for me, she had such an impact on my life, and this show has given me an ability to reach out to people, to have conversations. And that's why I try to use it for more of a tool of positivity and inspiration now um, because I realize that we need that more than ever in, in today's, in our society in this day and age. So I've taken on a little more responsibility on that end um, and for me. But I, I enjoy everybody. I really do. There hasn't been a guest. I was like, oh, man, I wish I didn't ask him to be on or <laughs> I wish I didn't ask her to be on. It's, they've all been great. And in doing the show, you said you're talking in your studio right now, YouTube and everything else. Do you manage, you know, obviously recording the show, but putting together the show, editing it if you need to, uploading it to YouTube and all the other platforms? Do you do all that stuff yourself? No. So I have, like I said, I have the YouTube guy okay. that, that does all that and I delegate responsibility on all this hiring the right people <clears throat> team in place. And it took a while 
to get the right people and, and whatnot. But it's so important. You have to you have to have the right people around you. I got positive people um, that care about what I'm doing, that like what I'm doing, and and people have reached out as time has gone on. They're like, hey, I like what you're doing. I like your vibe, and I'd like to be able to you know to work for you if I can provide something of service. And you know, recently I got a guy that does my Instagram videos for my inspirational little videos mm-hmm. for little short clips from the show and whatnot and all that plays a part and is important and I have my vision of where I'm going and what I want to do with all this but I do so much on my own as it is there's no way I'm not like I said I'm not a computer guy per se where that there's some people that where they're very skilled in that and that's not an issue it's not one of my strong points and at this point in time I just don't have the time mm-hmm. to sit there and try to learn a bunch of different things like I like my free time is like watching stock market clips videos courses and learning because i love investing Mm -hmm. trying to strengthen my strengthening strengthening my investing game and whatnot so it's like i'm always or reading different books to learn that i'm going to talk about you know on my podcast and things of that nature so but it's extremely important to have the right people for things like that for me on the computer end of things and with your book, Wake Up, It's Feeding Time, you released it back in early 2017. It has a lot of insightful health and motivational tips in there. Um, what have been some of the best pieces of feedback you've gotten on the book in the last two, two and a half years? And do you plan to release a full autobiography at some point, kind of chronicling your entire career up to this point? Because you have a great and inspiring story. Thank you. Yeah, I'm actually writing that. I took a break from working on it, actually, because it was... It's funny, through all of this and my mindset here of coming across that book... Uh, that I did the, the energy codes that helped me um, writing. I was I've been working on 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 that, and it was it's been hard. I'm on I'm almost to my WWE part of as Ryback, and I found man, it, it's kind of a lot of things that happened, and like it, it, I don't like going back and thinking about it mm-hmm. um, and recalling it. And I had to just quit working on the book for a bit because I was I wasn't ha- it was making it wasn't making me feel good. And it was just me literally just telling the truth of what happened. and But it was, I realized how painful that stuff was for me and whatnot. But now in learning and coming across this book and understanding that everything that did happen was ultimately, like I said, in my favor and for my betterment. And I could choose to take those as a negative or I could choose to take those as a positive. The choice is all mine. And like I said, I've always chosen to take them as a positive and go on and do other things but I was still holding on to a lot of pain and I had to let it go. And uh, so I, I'm going to be continuing to work on this, but I, I need to kind of see also the next chapter of my life with pro wrestling because I have a lot of unfinished business and I have some goals that I, I was not able to achieve by having to, to walk out because of my health. So uh, that would be something I would say probably within the next one to two years that will wrap up. I'm not. I'm not uh, in a hurry on that. But I'm. I, I'm about a quarter of the way through, mm-hmm. though, on that. And again, I would like to write a book on social media eventually as well, with my experience in dealing with good and bad, and, and different things of that nature. Um, but that one will be down the line as I continue to learn and grow. And it's. Um, I never like. I, but that that first book was a way for me to kind of connect with my fans, to let them. I just wanted to write a motivational book because of all these books I've listened to and read that have helped me. And I wanted to kind of give an introduction into the world of positivity on many different topics uh, to wrestling fans. Essentially, like, so the, to answer your question, having people come up to me at meet and greets and they've lost 130 pounds mm-hmm. uh, because they, they've read the book and 
listen to the podcast. There's no greater uh, reward for me than hearing that and seeing somebody change their life because they changed their outlook because of this pro wrestler that wrote this book. So to me, that that's pretty amazing. And you mentioned the motivational speaking that you've done with Instagram and on your YouTube channel. I just put up a video earlier today about motivational speaking and stuff like that, kind of offering tips and whatnot, um, especially in an age today with social media, as you mentioned. And it's so easy to be negative nowadays. With, with There's just so much negativity out there. There could be you know, a negativity on any post that you put up, or even if it's something positive, there could be a million positive responses, but one negative post, and that's the one that sticks with you, you know? Um, and, and a day today where there's so much negativity in social media how important do you think it is to have someone such as yourself with motivational speaking and putting that inspirational stuff out there yeah so here's the thing on this and and the the negativity has always existed the positivity has always existed Mm -hmm. if you look at social media now there's so much positivity out there uh, as well and we have a choice and we can look at it and we can say oh my god there's all this negativity and we can choose to focus on that yep but by doing so, we will not feel good. Because where, where our attention goes is where the, where the energy is going to grow. And, and that's what I learned from that book, uh, that I was doing, I was positive 80% of the time, but I was being negative on, on certain things in certain areas of my life that were carrying over to other things. And I was focusing on the negative. And by doing that, I was shutting out social media. I hate social media. Social media sucks. And essentially by doing so not by design but I was also turning my back on on the millions of people that love me and that support me and just want to hear from me and want to communicate with me because I clumped it all together and negativity and positivity has always existed we have a choice it's easier with social media I think for people to be negative if they want where in real life there's repercussions if you act that way I think that is a real issue and I think that's something over time, I'm a firm believer that eventually there will be social media licenses over time to hold because I think there needs to be rules in place like there are in regular everyday life to protect people. That if people are acting, you know, out of line in accordance with the rules, whatever those may be, I think that that's something down the line that, that is definitely going to exist uh, in some way, shape, or form. Uh, maybe not under that name, but I do think that's something that will happen. But I think we have a choice on what we could uh, look at and what we can react to. And for me, it was learning through that doctor that, you know, we get 100 good comments and, you know, then we see that one bad one. And I used to take that one bad one very personally. Mm-hmm. And I used to let it make me very angry and block or delete or mute that person. And, you know, oftentimes I'd have fun and make a joke back and zing them back at different times. and. Uh, whatnot, but uh, anytime though you respond to negativity with any form of other negativity or hate, even as, as funny as it may be, you're opening yourself up to more hate and negativity. And mm-hmm. through all of this, I've learned, and now I'm practicing it, and even talking to Ken Shamrock, I got from this from talking to the world's most dangerous man. The one thing I got is responding to hate with kindness, mm-hmm. and there's a reason for that. One, it makes me feel good about the situation. So if you see my Twitter, you'll see. If somebody responds to me in a very hateful way, as uh, ludicrous as it may be or as crazy as it may be, um, I'm now responding with nothing but kindness because it, for a way, it allows me, the reason doing that is sometimes if you just mute that person or block that person, that it kind of goes unanswered and like where it doesn't sit well still with me. But I found for me, and this is again just speaking for me, that when I respond to something like that with an act of kindness, 
and respond to a negative with a positive, I feel good about the situation and it's completely diffused for me. For however the way my brain works, it completely just diffuses it where, and then I mute the person or block the person Mm -hmm. after that. But, and it's twofold on the reason why I will do this. And Ken had brought this up to me. When you do that, for me, I personally don't feel bad about the situation. I know that I did my best to reach out to possibly help this person, but it also exposes that person to, to, to millions of people uh, for their behavior. And fortunately, having millions of fans worldwide, usually there's a portion of them that will go to bat for you. So I don't have to do the dirty work on the situation. That guy's going to feel bad or that woman is going to feel bad for their actions because the fans are going to let them know they shouldn't be acting like that. Mm-hmm. And I've done my part. And so it's kind of uh, twofold on that double whammy uh responding to a negative with a positive and allowing that person to be seen for their behavior publicly and they're going to have to answer to that to the other people because that's the way they choose to act so it's but there i think we just it's important to put out positive a positive message having influence and showing people i think you got to be a leader in this regard um i can't just be positive 80 percent of the time and and then be confusing 20% of the time or put out a different message. I got to do it all the way. Mm-hmm. And so that's my way of trying to help people, inspire people through what has directly helped me. And when you reply to those people with kindness and those people then reply back with something equally nasty again, like then they have absolutely, there's no choice in that situation, but they're the absolute ones who look like the asshole because you're just being nice to them. You know, there, there's no reason for them to be mean back. And even when you are kind back too, um, I think it helps because when you just block or mute the person, which is equally effective, but I think if, if it's ignored, I mean, it's all dependent on the situation, but if it's ignored, then it teaches that person, then it's okay to go do it to someone else. Whereas if you respond with kindness, maybe, hopefully, they learn their lesson and they don't do it again to someone else. So it, it could have a domino effect, you know? Absolutely. And I just think that we always, for me, it's taking, I've thrived on taking negative situations in my life and turning them into positives. And it's no different. I just took that approach to social media. Mm-hmm. So with stuff like that, you mentioned social media, and obviously it was still very prominent during your time with WWE, and it was almost incorporating your character at one point uh, with your Twitter activity and how it, you know entertaining it was, and you had one of the more entertaining, uh, entertaining accounts out there. With what you know about social media now and Twitter and stuff like that, do you wish you had used it differently during your time in WWE, or is it like, okay, everything happens for a reason, I regret nothing about what I had done or tweeted or whatever? Yeah, no, I never, no regrets on anything. That, yeah. that was all, so again, this is one of those lines where I I am very sarcastic and I, I love comedy. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those, if you follow like a comedian and comedians tell jokes all the times and they use social media for jokes, but you offend people at times and, and anybody could be offended over anything and anyone could choose to be negative and complain and whatnot. And we see that all the time. That was me just being, me and having fun with a situation after a lot of things had happened and I was extremely frustrated and I didn't care and but it was a way for me I was I, I had to live through of getting a lot of hate from people that used to love me who then thought I failed because I simply went out and did my job how I was booked yep. uh, much like taking on a role acting all I did was go play my part that I was asked to play 100% of the time to the best of my ability and succeeded each and every time so I think that's like I had to live through that and it's one of the things I don't like about wrestling that with fans I feel like they're not able to separate the movie from real life and it's blurred because it's not necessarily like a movie in, in different ways and 
where wrestlers are the stuntman and the, and the physicality of it and the portrayal of a, of a fight and whatnot. Um, it was very frustrating for me to have to live through that. And uh, not a lot of guys have been in that position of being in a position to be the number one guy in the company and then having it all taken away for nothing to do with wrestling. And it was, um, it was a tough pill to swallow, but I have no doubt, like I said, it was something I had to go through um, and learn because when I am able to go back to wrestling, it will all make perfect sense. And for me, the lessons I've learned and the things I've experienced, the hate I've experienced at, at ridiculous levels have made me a better human being where I will be able to help more people now at this stage of my life and moving forward for having faced that adversity at those periods, uh, the different periods of my life and whatnot. So it, it's all been good, man. And again, that was all, it fit the character at the time and it was fun and it was just me having fun and showing my personality because I was frustrated because I wasn't able to say what I wanted to say in promos, being restricted. And I, I honestly believe I'm very confident and I can cut a promo with the best of them. I, there's no doubt in my mind I know so and I, when I've been allowed to do that the reactions have shown that um, so it was a way for me to kind of just show my personality to my fans and whatnot. as as funny as some of this stuff was but looking back I'm at a different point now where if you would tell me I view social media differently now too and where I'm at with my business I think when you have a business you have to conduct yourself in a different way because like I said if I'm 80% of the time I'm this professional, um, fun, positive guy, but then I'm trying to be a comedian on the side and try to zing people and have fun, that could be interpreted interpreted bad from a business standpoint. And I think going back from a wrestling standpoint, I would never use social media in my character as far as that because it's too confusing to people. Mm-hmm. And like the wrestling fans, they don't understand it. And I can tell a sarcastic joke in one tweet and then, you know, a positive tweet on the next, and it's blurred. They don't understand where I'm being serious or where I'm being sarcastic. And that's talking at the simplest level, but that's what you have to do. You have to play to the simplest level um, with these things. So, And I was a big fan of the interviews that you had done, first with Chris Van Vliet on your show, and then he had you on his show just a few short months ago talking about your career, two great interviews. Uh, one thing I was curious about coming out of his interview with you, because uh, you guys kind of went down your entire career and original you know, rise to superstardom back in 2012, 2013. I was curious about your, your second face run when you had come back with the Feed Me More stuff and you were a face for quite a while before you went back to being heel before you had left in 2016. I was curious about that because I always thought when you had come back with the Feed Me More stuff, that would have been the time where, okay, they're going to pull the trigger on him finally. This is where it happened put the world title on the guy and obviously it didn't happen uh, what were your thoughts yeah. on that run of the Feed Me More stuff and where do you think they dropped the ball with it because you are like the guy going into Survivor Series 2014 with a whole what team is he going to choose you know like that would have been I think the point to finally make you a world champion in WWE yeah that, that was so you guys this is where I said the frustration built up over multiple points and done interviews talking about those frustrations over and over again and um the booking, it, it, the it, that's the disconnect for a lot of wrestling fans is, you know, that whole storyline was we're telling everybody that I was this key piece on the team. What team am I going to go authority or team Cena that where I'm the most important piece on this, that essentially the story we're telling is whatever team I go to is the team that has the advantage. Mm-hmm. And that day at the pay-per-view, 
I had already been through so much of having everything taken away, of losing millions of dollars from being taken out of the position that I was in. Um, and again, I've talked about all this with my ankle situation and the things that, that were held against me. We have this story now. We have one opportunity. The crowd is firmly behind me again. We could, we have the momentum once again. I've had all the momentum taken away already at multiple points. So it was just one of those deals where it was extremely frustrating to have to live through this. But I got to the building that day, and I'll never forget, Jamie Noble came out and goes, all right, big man, we got to get you out first. And just right then and there, I wish I would have left right then and there, to be honest with you, mm. just walked out. Because it was... One of the, it, it makes no sense, and if you go back and watch that match, even though we protected me as far as having me take multiple finishes to get me out, yep. listen to the air in the crowd get sucked out of them when I get pinned. It's it's just it's a huge letdown, yeah. And there's nothing I can do about that. It's I have no no say in that. No, I if I'm going to be I, I'm under contract to them. I got to go out and do what is asked to me out of respect for all the other talent in the match, and that's what you do. I've always been a professional in that regard. It's the most frustrating thing in the world, though, and it was you work your entire life for something and you realize that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's because it's what one guy wants to go out there and have. He wants you to be portrayed as something else. And that's something for me that I don't like about wrestling. I'm a winner. I have a winner's work ethic. I've always been a winner. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be portrayed as a loser. Call me selfish. I don't give a shit. I know how hard I work I, to look the way that I do without steroids and be one of the greatest power wrestlers of all time. And again, very confident. You have to be to make it in this. It's To me, I take it very personal. And it was really tough. But I've learned a lot from all of it. And, um, you know, even then, I'd already given up at that point mentally with that company, mm -hmm. with everything with Vince. I didn't trust him, didn't trust Hunter at that point. And I, at that point, like if you talk to a lot of guys there, pretty much everybody it's just a paycheck yeah. and so you're just collecting weekly paychecks and it doesn't you just quit caring mm -hmm. because it, what am I there's nothing you could do about it and you I've gone in and I've said my piece numerous different occasions and it's not my company and I realize as cool of a job as it is it's not my company it's not I have two choices I could stay and be unhappy and keep complaining or I could leave and take my fate into my own hands and that's what I chose to do and Obviously, though, my health had played a major contributing factor to that. And with people like for them, and I always like to state this because it's important to understand, I wanted I, I wanted to work everything out with WWE. And health-wise, it should have. They, everything should have been covered by them because all my injuries are from them. Mm -hmm. But I, I didn't know at the time how seriously injured I was. I just knew I was really, really messed up. And I'd asked to let – we were in contract negotiations – and I'd asked to let my contract run out in August. And this is, I was the Intercontinental Champion at the time. Yep. <clears throat> Which Mark Carano had said, we're going to, he goes, ah, oh, you don't want to do that big guy. We're going to, we're going to job you out. We're going to pull you off TV and we're going to fire you. You know the way that it works around here. And he patted me on the back and walked away. Now, that's when everything changed for me after being there my entire life, essentially, and being hurt and knowing I was hurt. And just, I didn't want to tell them, guys, I'm fucked up. I wanted just to try to ride it all out, and then I was going to take time off, and I was going to figure out what was wrong with me, and then hopefully I was going to be able to come back. That was the goal at the end of the day with all yeah. this. And to be met with that negativity and that kind of – and to, just to be told that uh, lit a fire under me unlike anything else. And um, I knew – and I had my trademarks for uh, the big guy and Feed Me More – 
and I was unhappy. I didn't want them having Ryback because I had created that when I had nothing and was not employed or not under contract uh, by WWE, and they had trademarked that without my permission. So I was very unhappy over that stuff. Uh, I had a bunch of changes made to the contract uh, that if I was going to stay and I wanted a bus, I wanted this was my big contract because I wanted to hold them accountable to use me the way that they should have used me from the start. Yep. Uh, so, but I was so hurt that I, I made this contract. I was like, if I'm going to stay here, I need this to be 100%. If not, I know I have no, I know I'm leaving. I'm not worried. And we just, I, I walked out eventually when I saw they were going to start embarrassing me on TV. And I just, I said, that's it. I know I've had, I did my commitment. I put over Kalisto on two pay-per-views my way out. Yep. And which in great talent and no problem doing that did business always a professional when I was there and I chose to leave in which when I left though I found out I told you my health issues mm-hmm. uh, I was told I needed a five disc fusion in my back and a shoulder replacement in my right shoulder uh, from doing the backpack stunner uh, for all those years on my back wrestling and also my shoulder there was two issues WWE they were aware of my injuries and the doctors there and I love them but they have the shittiest job in the world. Um, they were pumping me full of a drug called Toradol mm-hmm. and cortisone into my shoulder joint, which the Toradol was hiding my back pain at the level that it was. So I have these nerve injuries, this, these disc issues. I was getting muscle weakness and cramping, and I couldn't lie down, and my, my back would lock up. And So the fix on that for them was just keep pumping me full of these drugs to keep me going week to week. And the cortisone ate away all my cartilage in my right shoulder and caused all these other problems from a structural standpoint. So when I left, I got bombarded with all of this. Injuries I thought that were going to heal, and I gave them like four or five months to heal. Mm-hmm. They didn't heal. And then my contract ran out in August, and I got these MRIs and realized, holy shit, I should have done this I, I, while I was under contract with them because they don't cover you once the contract runs out they wash their hands of you which is another reason why I've spoken up about WWE and the healthcare because it's so important to me and seeing a lot of these old timers of what happens to them and a lot of the guys there you're handcuffed and can't say anything about it and whatnot. but uh, I chose to go the stem cell route I've had 11 stem cell procedures on my four on my back and seven on my shoulder Mm -hmm. my back is nearly all better um, and I've been blessed a company Bio Accelerator reached out to me a couple months ago, um, they're flying me down to Columbia. They're giving me over $30,000 worth of treatment with umbilical cord stem cells, which are, just to put this in perspective, the United States has a lot of limitations on the stem cell, uh, how much they can use. Mm-hmm. So each treatment I get in the United States is between like three and 8,000 stem cells. Mm-hmm. Over there, they are going to be using between 40 and 60 million stem cells wow. per treatment. And the healing, that's why a lot of pro athletes go to these other countries because the level at which they're able to do it, it causes massive healing. Mm-hmm. And they want me to be able to return back to wrestling, and, and as, as do I. Um, but with, through their treatment that they're, they're giving me entirely for free, and I, I thank God, mm-hmm. um, will hopefully allow me to be able to return to wrestling by early 2020. I was going to say, yeah, so you're aiming for like a late 2019, early 2020 to be uh, back at 100%. Yeah, and I got I got to get these done. I got to take four to six weeks off after I get the stem cells. They say to give it ninety days to see for the healing. But the guy, from everything I know and talking to the doctors, everyone that's gone through this company has noticed the effects within a matter of days mm-hmm. on the healing. And like I said, my back is no longer 
my back was my main issue because my back, I, I, my core, I couldn't get out of bed. I was falling to my knees. My back, I was in constant pain. And I don't take pain pills or ibuprofen. Yep. I stopped ibuprofen years ago, or about a year ago. I apologize, uh, but because I've been taking it for years. And, and then I don't take pain pills. I'm not a pain pill guy, and I didn't want to get addicted to those. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the severity of my injuries, nobody could understand when I left. And I did independence for two years, and I made fantastic money doing that. And the only reason I did those was because of the amount of money that I put up for my supplement line. I needed to supplement my income to make up for that money that I'd spent spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to start mm-hmm. this business. And the money when you leave WWE is great for about two years, and I knew that. So I had, I knew that window, I didn't want to lose out on that. But looking back, at the same time, I didn't do myself any favors. And my stem cell doctor here in Nevada, here in Vegas, actually had to lecture me, and he he forced me to stop all of that because it wasn't it wasn't helping me, and I had to let my body rest. And I haven't wrestled since last probably like August. Mm-hmm. I, that was probably my last appearance doing matches and and focusing on taking care of my dog and whatnot. But man, I'm not, the, the goal is hopefully early 2020. But I got to see how they go. I got to see how I feel. And uh, because I never wanted to leave. Yeah. But that's why too people a lot of people. And I've had to face all of this negativity and adversity with all this is, oh, you suck. Nobody wants you. You don't want to, you know, nobody wants to go. I've been injured the entire time, and I've talked to other companies when I left. And I knew didn't money didn't matter because I knew it, at the scheduling, my, I was so hurt. I couldn't do any sort of schedule outside of a, doing an independent match and then having weeks off mm-hmm. because it, it was I was in that much pain. And I had no business wrestling to begin with. But I was, like I said doing the business and taking on these these different obligations financially, I didn't want to leave that money on the table on that. And, and luckily it's all paid off and, and everything's good. But yeah, hopefully early 2020, mm. uh, I will be able to return at my all-time best. And I had a chance to meet you, I think, at one of those Northeast wrestling shows. I think it was last August. They did a show, I don't think it was in Bristol, but I know you had faced, I want to say, Wrecking Ball Ligurski. For rec, uh, from that Northeast was in New York. Was that St. James, New York? Ah, uh, it was around. They did like a couple shows in New York. This one was in <laughs> Connecticut. Um, it was at like a baseball field. I was that your last match, from what you can recall, or do you know what your last match was as of right now? No, that so that wasn't my last match. My last match though was <clears throat> it was for uh, the match. Match wise, was a tag match with Jerry Lawler at Six Flags for Northeast Wrestling. Okay, but I did an appearance where I came in and made a and uh, did a run in. Uh, in Detroit around August, I, August or September, June, July, August, September, October, yeah, around maybe September, August, September, yeah, of last year, and that was it. <clears throat> and <clears throat> excuse me, that was, uh, but like that, that I had to, I wrestled Wrecking Ball actually for Northeast Wrestling. That was indoors. I actually wrestled him, I believe, unless I wrestled him multiple times and I can't remember. I just remember one time wrestling him indoors where Cody and Matt Hardy also were on the show and yeah. had a fantastic turnout. Oh, and yeah. That was like one of their wrestle... Not... Uh, what was their... Uh, yeah, WrestleFest. It was like one of their big shows, yeah. Or something like and, that. Yeah, and I remember being in so much pain yeah. um, during that and, and just like being scared because I didn't know... I thought my career was like... I was like, well, man, this has turned out to be a really shitty ending. You know, I left <laughs> WWE. I walked away. 
unceremoniously. It wasn't announced. It was a horrible way to leave. Nobody knew I left, really. All these things came out that I was fired, that all these lies that we had to have taken down. My brand took a huge hit when I left initially, and I didn't... It, it was just... It's a really unfortunate thing, looking back at all of it, but it's all, again, worked out for my favor. But... And then I was like, I'm going to wind up finishing my career doing these indies, and I can't even go out the way that I want. I'm not. I'm hurt. I can't have the matches that I want to have. And you know, I didn't. And at the time, I didn't know what the that was before my stem cells. I didn't know. What, I didn't realize how long of a process this was going to be. Because when somebody tells you you need a five disc fusion and a shoulder replacement, that's game over. Mm-hmm. Like there was no. But in my head, and this is me always being stubborn and like, I've always just had this will to fight and to to fucking push myself, and. For whatever reason, injuries have kind of played in the couple, the few that I've had, the major ones in my life, have always caused the most massive growth uh, for me mentally uh, and pushed me to a new level. And this is exactly what has happened with this injury on my back and shoulder. But um, it was a really bad feeling not knowing, being certain about the future and having this career, this you know pro wrestling that I loved more than anything, it gave me very negative feelings towards it because it was hurting me so badly mm-hmm. too. That and I tell people I I wish back pain on nobody or sh- the shoulder pain that I was having because this wrestling that I loved I had e- I equated it in my mind that this thing that I loved it hurt me so fucking badly and it was a really it was something I had to overcome and I had to adjust my thinking on it and whatnot and I had a lot of very negative angry feelings um, because of wrestling for a long time because I was in so much pain but I had to learn that it it was all again for my favor and my betterment and to allow me to push myself mentally to levels that maybe I didn't think I could. So, And at the same time too, I was always curious when you were originally injured, when you first after during the Nexus time, when you were skip Sheffield and you had the ankle injury, as you had talked about before, and you've talked about this in length in the past, there was like around this time, this was a really like at the time it kind of came out of nowhere, but there were like reports and obviously never believe a hundred percent of what you believe on uh, what you read on the internet, especially with like dirt sheets and stuff like that. You know, a lot of this stuff is crap and people always believe what they read. And even at that show that you were at the Northeast wrestling show that I was at, you, you were the most popular star in the show. So usually that's like the very vocal minority of um, people yeah. that you know, with all the negativity. But anyway, so when you first got her about 10 years ago during the Nexus stuff, there was this report at the time that people were saying like, Skip Sheffield will be, you know, one of the top stars in this company within two years time. People were like, oh, he's just another Nexus guy. But you said before, when you knew, when you got hurt, you knew you were going to be the, one of the biggest stars. Did they give you the ball and they let you run with it? You knew you could be that guy in the company and you were for throughout 2012, 2013. Uh, do you remember at any point when you were hurt during the Nexus? And this is well before you became Ryback. Uh, there were, like, again, these reports that Skip Sheffield, top two babyface in the company, like, around that time. It was shortly after you got hurt, if, if you can recall that. Uh, you say that, and I want to say I remember seeing something like that, but I remember I was I was so messed up. Yeah. I was nowhere near. I didn't even know. I was being told by doctors I was never going to wrestle again wow. after the botched surgery and all the nerve damage, um, which, by the way, the, the bioaccelerator, the nerve treatment, they're, they're able to do the stem cells in my leg, which I believe I, my big toe still doesn't work. I have partial drop foot in my left foot mm-hmm. that I've wrestled with my entire life, and I'm, I'm used to it. They believe they could regenerate the nerves in my leg into my big toe, where I'll actually have full strength of my leg for the first time in nearly ten years. So, um, which again, fingers crossed for that. But I could I could function with it properly. 
regardless. But um, I was so hurt during that time. I just remember just laughing. I was like, where is this stuff coming from? <laughs> yeah. Because it was, I was no, I wasn't even, I was being told I wasn't going to be able to wrestle again. Yeah. WWE didn't know so many things had gone wrong in that whole process, which again, though, all a blessing because everything that happened that was making me angrier and angrier and angrier was lighting a fire under my ass that I was going to overcome this because in WWE, it made a lot of mistakes in this and it was, it was so fucked up. It was almost like a bad dream that you just couldn't believe was actually happening. Mm-hmm. And like, send me back to the doctor that had messed up the first surgery, sending me back to this guy a second time <laughs> before sending me to Birmingham to a doctor to pull all the metal out that said this guy fucked up the entire thing. And I remember John Laurinaitis when he fired, he called to fire me when they fired Chris Masters and I believe Johnny Prime. Yeah, uh, it was Masters. I think that, Vladimir Kozlov was in that group too, I think. Yeah. And I got called last that day. And I have always liked John Laurinaitis. I I have a lot of respect for John. Uh, And he was in a tough position. Um, I was at Gold's Gym in St. Pete, and he called me, and he fired me on the phone. And I cut a 20-minute promo, and everything that had happened to me just came out. That was the first time I ever stood up for myself fully with WWE, Mm -hmm. because I knew that if I didn't, I was going to be left with a gift foot and no money nothing and lose my job and nobody I didn't think I didn't know at the time if I was ever going to wrestle again even though they just fixed my leg they took the metal out and they go you might have a chance to be able to come back if your nerves regenerate enough which we didn't know yet at the time and I I literally cut a promo on him and I told him I said one year from right now I'm going to be the biggest fucking star on the main roster Mm -hmm. mark my words and one year from that time that phone call took place, I arguably was. Yeah. And it, but it lit a fire under me. And it, but it taught me a very important lesson never to let anybody, because I think a lot of times, and if you meet me in person, I'm a very, I like to be nice to people. Yeah. I like to just be honest and I like to just be, I like to be, I'm comfortable being nice to people. But the real world is a, can be a really bad place. And a lot of, there's a lot of bad people that will take advantage of that. And, that was a lesson I needed to learn to never let anybody take advantage of me and to always stick up and defend myself when I know, when I truly believe in something. And that was a, a great reason why I had a lot of success in WWE at different points is because I was able to fight enough to at least get what I got, had gotten there and whatnot. But man, it was... Um, it was a horrific experience, and that, that too, and a lot of people, a lot of frustrations from that, and you know, WWE, and I've talked about this, I've had to let all this go, but I don't think people understand, you know, walking away from a big contract because I physically couldn't do it. Yep. I knew that I, if I did, I would, it would have been, I would have had to retire, because they don't care about you, and that's just the way, that's the nature of the business mm-hmm. and whatnot. But for them, they called me, and they, they forced me to drop a multi-million dollar lawsuit against the doctor that was an open and shut case and that was during my right going into my feud of cm punk i was literally told on the phone that i would be fired that i and this was off the record by jane geddes wow that's an extremely difficult thing i didn't know how long i was even going to be able to wrestle for at that point because Mm -hmm. my ankle my ankle was so bad like i had i got rushed back to tv because i had no other choice because they just tried to fire me and i had to get attorneys to keep my job and it was a really unfortunate set of circumstances and the one thing I will tell you one thing I do need to have a, a discussion with Vince McMahon about all of this mm-hmm. from beginning to end and which is one of the reasons why I'm very adamant 
uh, with that whole John Oliver video and, and pro wrestling needs to improve. Yeah. As a whole, with how we treat wrestlers, it's 2019, we're getting 2020 is right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Just because the industry was built a certain way doesn't mean they were right. They were wrong. They've been wrong from the start. We have the, the proof of these guys that have died young and all these old timers that end up with nothing. The, the system is flawed and the system needs to be improved to favor the wrestlers more. And that's something all wrestlers know and believe this. But nobody will say anything because nobody wants to jeopardize making money in the business. Mm-hmm. Which for me, I've had the luxury of being able to start other businesses and not rely on wrestling for income anymore. I do wrestling. I want to do wrestling because I love wrestling. And for me, I feel like I found more of a purpose for me, even more so wrestling. I knew so when I injured my ankle. I told Dr. Tom Pritchard, I go, one way or another, I'm going to change wrestling for the better when I'm all, when this is all said and done. And he just looked at me, he goes, Ryan, I hope you can. And it was, I firmly believe these bad things have happened to me. Yep. For me, to, and I've been able to be in a position of being at the top and also being in the middle and seeing the guys at the bottom, what how much they suffer and how little they make, where I'm truly sympathetic and understanding to all sides of this. And I am very confident and I know my ability and I know, it, to me, it gives me, in hearing you say that, it gives me great pride because I know that firsthand and a lot of the places that I go, the reception that I get is is a lot of people want to discredit that and take that away and whatnot. And that's a lifetime of hard work and, and keeping a positive mental attitude. And I'm looking forward to that opportunity. I know I got to be involved in pro wrestling if I want to make changes in pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. I can't do it from the sidelines. I need to be an important piece of pro wrestling uh, to do this. And this is one of the things, and there will be discussions with Vince eventually mm-hmm. when I'm ready to speak again, when I know my health is not an issue. And I I will do whatever it takes, whether it's through my Feed Me More Nutrition and starting a, a, a fund through Feed Me More Nutrition and where a portion of the sales of that will go to creating something for pro wrestlers, whether it's something with healthcare, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to be involved in this one way or another because I've lived it and experienced this and I've felt this company that I loved and gave my heart and soul to turned its back and never has once I paid for everything, for everything that was caused while working there through their drugs they were giving me, hiding the injuries. I know the guys that work there that make very little, that are broken down, that have nerve issues, that are going to have to deal with this when they leave on Mm -hmm. their own. And I want people just to understand my motivations and why I'm so deeply affected by this is because I've lived it and seen it and I've seen these legends, WWE legends and old timers at independent shows who come up and hug me and say thank you and you can just see how broken down and they got to start GoFundMes because people, they don't understand too, like health insurance and I've had to deal with this with my stem cells, you know, I almost got stuck with a $170,000 bill because my insurance didn't want to pay for some of the treatments and I, I luckily we got that overturned and whatnot, but a lot of these guys—they're not bad with their money or anything. They never made that much money to begin with. Mm-hmm. But the injuries that they suffered with wrestling and working there, especially anybody that's worked there for any significant amount of time, we have a thing called pre-existing conditions with healthcare. And these companies—they don't have to cover you with any rhyme or reason. They could just say no. And what happens then is then you know you need a hip replacement or a, you know a knee replacement or a shoulder replacement, and they don't want to cover it because it was an injury that was caused from pro wrestling or whatever the nature may be before you got your coverage, you had these symptoms. And so they get stuck with these huge medical bills. And I mean, it takes away everything and they're just need, it, no other industry. Do you see this to this level? So for me, and I think Vince, 
I want to believe Vince has a good heart deep down. I want to. I want him more than anything. But if he doesn't, I need to be there and be involved, and I'll have the good heart, and I'll take the fucking hit for it, mm-hmm. and I'll sacrifice a lot of things to make it happen. And hopefully we'll be able to work together on it if he doesn't want to do it all. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I have now these other outlets where hopefully I'll be able to, going back to wrestling, be able to do something to help pro wrestling and pro wrestlers because some they need somebody looking out for them with the way the business is, nobody is. And, and hopefully I'll be able to, to have a part in all that. And in the big way that you've helped, I think, not just WWE, but wrestling on the whole since you left three years ago, was, was really just kind of leaving in general. Because at the time that you left, it was seemingly pretty much rare for people to just leave WWE because people would always resign, they would always stay. Yeah. And soon after you, it was, you know, Wade Barrett had up and left, Stu Bennett had up and left, only, I think, a maybe right after? I think it was like shortly thereafter he had left. And obviously Cody Rhodes as well. And they've all, such as yourself, amounted a great success in other venues and other places. And now you hear all these different things, whether they're true or not, about people wanting to leave. Obviously Moxley was an example of that, of leaving WWE and now going to AEW. Um, how have you seen the wrestling landscape change, you know, being going from WWE to the indies and now kind of just sitting back and watching from afar, um, seeing the wrestling landscape change from what it was from when you said, hey, I know what I'm worth. I'm getting out of here. I'm too hurt to stay here. And uh, kind of what it's become today. Uh, I, I think guys uh, have more options now uh, as far as exposure-wise. I've heard people talk about that this day and age is a, like a golden period for wrestling, and that, I don't agree with that. That's, I think the business has taken steps backwards. Uh, from a, That's my opinion as far as... Um, what people are doing and how the styles and wrestling and there's all different styles. I love the different styles, but uh, psychology wise and whatnot. And I think guys though have the ability to leave and get exposure through social media and, and whatnot. But um, and I think AEW can be a great thing if they are able to be successful with with the TV and getting ratings and hopefully the policies they put in place and whatnot, I'm very interested to see how that plays out on their end. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of unanswered questions, and I think they have a huge challenge in front of them, but I am rooting for them. I think all pro wrestlers should be rooting, and all fans should be rooting for them, um, that they are able to get to a level to be um, to where it raises the game in pro wrestling, as far as wrestlers having options, uh, as far as where to go and whatnot, because nobody's really been able to, to break out and do that. Uh, since WCW, you know, went under and whatnot. But I think guys, now you have guys leaving, you know, Punk left, I left, Wade left, <clears throat> Alberto left, guys, Cody left. All these guys have walked out. You know, Jericho eventually signed with AEW after, you know, having a relationship with WWE for, for so many years that um, there's other options now mm-hmm. as far as... and. Uh, but I, again, make no mistake about it. There is only one WWE and they are light years ahead of everybody else as far as everything that they do from a production standpoint and whatnot. And I don't agree with, with the certain things there, but, um, the, their audience is by far the largest audience in the world and whatnot. And again, they have their own issues with ratings and things that they need to get fixed. And, um, because TV viewers are still there. You see that with all TV shows. Game of Thrones and the big the sporting events the, the numbers are there mm-hmm. so there's definitely something wrong and they know that as far as what they're doing uh, and hopefully they are able to correct it and I personally 
would like to see them start making marquee names. I think that is one of the things they have failed on miserably, and I've talked about that. And um, it would definitely change my outlook at the, of the place if that was the case, because knowing what I know and how they don't want another marquee name after John Cena, and um, that's not fun to be a pro wrestler mm-hmm. when you know you're going to have a cap put on you. And we've seen it with how many guys now, and myself, and it's. Um, it's not fun so I just think there's more options now an AEW I think is going to be hopefully huge in all of this and giving guys a, a, a viable alternative option in pro wrestling and final two questions for you. Uh, first, you've mentioned before that you're a very goal-oriented person. You've had this vision board uh, in your place or at your home. Uh, you've had some goals on it there for a while, probably some new ones added in the last couple months, years, whatnot. And you've mentioned before that a match with Brock Lesnar was on there many years ago. I was curious if it's still on that vision board, and even if it is, if it's not, what else is on your current list of goals you hope to accomplish? So I've learned not to speak about my goals. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the things in WWE I feel... Uh, I had openly talked about one of my ultimate goals of winning the WWE championship. Yep. And I believe that was why it was dangled in front of me the way that it was. And because they, with my situation that I've talked about and, um, had I never said that maybe in the grin that probably still would not have happened with the situation at hand. Um, but it was, uh, it didn't help either. And, uh, as far as Brock, Brock's always been one of my goals. I've always wanted Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Mm. I believe I'm the most believable person to be in the ring with Brock Lesnar. And I think there's, uh, done correctly, fan interest would would be very high. And I would not settle. And a lot, you see a lot of guys have settled for not having, for Brock having Brock matches and whatnot. I would not settle for that. Mm-hmm. I would want to go out there and set the fucking bar for what two big guys can go out there and do in a believable fight oriented pro wrestling match and bring credibility and believability to pro wrestling. Like it should be in every single match Mm -hmm. because that is what has always sold. And that is a big reason why it's not selling the way that it is selling now. And that is my personal opinion, but uh, that is one of my goals and it always has been. And I think too, another guy, and I think it's only fair to say, I think Bobby Lashley is a matchup that they have missed out on with Brock. Um, and Bobby had the momentum early on when he came back and they again it just they it sucks to see that happen I feel for Bobby because I like Bobby a lot and uh, he his career and story that needs to be a match that happens on a big setting as well Um, and I hope he gets that as well for me though one of my goals has always been Brock Lesnar at Wrestlemania Mm. and that's still I mean I don't I haven't taken it down so Mm. And final question for you, when you're good to go in the ring again, like you said, by hopefully early 2020, is there any opponent from either the current independent scene or either maybe from another promotion, because anything can change within the next six months, that you would absolutely love to compete against? I mean, obviously you mentioned Brock Lesnar, but is there anyone else that you think, okay, this could be a money match and I want to... would be a great one. I would, I would, I would, um, I like Kenny. I Mm -hmm. like his in-ring style and I think he, uh, I would, I would, I think that would definitely be a, a matchup that would excite me. 
Yeah, I think it'd be a great clash of styles, regardless of where it ends up, AEW, independency, and whatnot. I think it'd be great to see. Well, uh, yeah, people could check out the book, Wake Up, It's Feeding Time. It's on uh, Amazon. you got your website, feedmemore.com. People can find the nutrition, uh, you know, everything there, your line of nutrition's there. And your Twitter, you're all over Instagram, uh, Twitter as well. Anything else? Obviously, the podcast as well, available on all uh, platforms, Apple Podcast, YouTube, subscribe to the channel. Um, anything else you'd like to throw out there for the uh, people, Ryback? Yeah, no, Feed Me More Nutrition is available on FeedMeMore.com and Amazon. And then if you could subscribe to Ryback TV, YouTube.com slash Ryback TV. That's where we have all conversation with the big guy, uh, Ryback material, clips uh, of the different guests in the wrestling report with Ryan Satner, Rush Geary on that end. And uh, I'm the big guy, Ryback22 on Instagram, and that will kind of connect you to all my other, other stuff going on. But thank you very much for your time. Of course, Ryback, thank you for the time. Had no idea this would go over an hour, but it's been amazing talking. I've always been a big fan, and uh, best of luck with everything. I'll catch you down the road. Good deal. Have a good day, buddy. Man, what an interview, and what an insightful and entertaining conversation with the big guy himself, Ryback. Um, I've interviewed him before on a WWE conference call, believe it or not. I think I aired the audio here on WrestleRant Radio once years ago. It was in January of 2016. Um, and it was cool to talk to him then. It was about a you know five to eight minute interview. It's available here on WrestleRant Radio on the YouTube channel under the interviews playlist on NextDayWrestling.net too. But it was only eight minutes. I wanted to pick the brain more of the big guy. And we got to do that here today for over an hour. The longest interview I've ever done. So I could not be any more thankful to Ryback for his time. Um, I could probably, I, I could kind of tell towards the end there that he was ready to get going. And I don't blame him because we spoke for so long. But I just had so many questions. And I'm such a big fan of the big guy that I couldn't pass up the opportunity to pick his brain at uh, for every second that he was giving me. Um, so anyway, I, I really appreciate the time of Ryback to speak on today's Wrestle Rant Radio. You can check out the interview in article form right now on Daily DDT. And I'm just winding down my time now in London. I'll be back later today. Um, if you're listening to this on Friday, I may already be back. But I'll be all sorts of messed up from the time change. It's a five-hour time change. We're going back, back in time like fucking Marty McFly and Doc Brown uh, when we fly back a little later on today. Uh, this Thursday, July 25th. So I, I knew I had to put up an episode on the day of the 25th and not wait because I'll be tired, I'll be confused, I'll be exhausted this weekend. So hopefully you guys enjoy this conversation with the big guy. More interviews here to come on Wrestle Rant Radio. Uh, the Von Erichs interview, which went up in article form a few weeks ago, that'll be here on Wrestle Rant Radio, the full 30-minute conversation either next week or the week after. I also still have my interview with the former NEW Northeast Wrestling Heavyweight Champion Brad Hollister in the can from about a month or two ago. Uh, we had a great 50-minute conversation for my article for Bleach Report, you know, promoting Northeast Wrestling. So that interview should be up as well in the next few weeks. And then I believe I have one more interview scheduled, I think on the Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, July 31st. Don't want to give away who it is just yet. Um, but when it does happen, when the interview is recorded, they will announce it. I'm ahead of the episode airing here on WrestleRant Radio, and you guys can check it out here on the show. So anyway, guys, just have an awesome rest of your week slash weekend. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews. Top, top cheerio, or however the fuck they say goodbye in London, and I'll catch your ass down the road. <laughs>